taught this. We're going to talk about honoring the Spirit. Since we've said all these things about the Holy Spirit for many weeks now, now we're going to talk about honoring the Spirit, honoring the Holy Spirit in your life. So let's, um, let's stand together one more time and say, boy, they stand a lot in this church. We're going to keep you in shape. We want the temple of the Holy Ghost to be in shape. So let's just go ahead and pray together over this message. And I want, I want God to really own this message to our hearts because the Holy Spirit is to be honored. And it makes a huge difference in the way you live your life, having a, a God consciousness. Uh, there's a great book out. It's a classic It was called Practicing the Presence of the Holy Spirit. Practicing the Presence of the Spirit. Well, I've never heard a message on honoring the Holy Spirit. I've never personally heard one. Maybe you have. But tonight, I want this to really get into the way we live. When we wake up tomorrow morning, we think, you know, He's with me. He's in me. He is walking with me, guiding me. And so I'm going to honor Him. I'm going to honor Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You that the Holy Spirit is already here, and He's here to teach us. He's here to bring truth alive to us. And we pray that the Holy Spirit is recognized and clarified and crystallized in our thinking. And help us, Lord, to walk with a sense of honoring Him. Now, will you just breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Tell your neighbor, this is going to be good. Perk up and listen. All right. Now, in closing our study of the Holy Spirit, it does seem fitting to me that we should explore how we might recognize and respond to Him appropriately. There are some who take issue with thanking or worshiping the third person of the Trinity. Maybe you've never even thought about it. Do I worship him? Do I thank him? Is he, is he not just some sort of force or uh, sort of um, intangible presence that I really have never thought about thanking or worshiping? Well, while there is no scriptural, they believe there is no scriptural directive whatsoever to do so. And I believe that there is. Now, the Bible clearly states Can you read this with me? You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him. Now, there we are told to be worshipers of God. And I personally believe if you don't worship God, you're going to worship something. All people worship something. You know why? Because we were built, hardwired to worship. That's a part of our makeup. I mean, you look at a rock concert. Tell me those kids in that rock concert are not worshiping those uh, musicians. It's worship. They lift their hands. I mean, it's, it's really a form of worship. You're going to worship something. If you don't worship something, you're going to end up worshiping yourself more than likely. But we've got a choice of what we're going to worship. And the Bible says, worship the Lord, your God. Be a worshiper of Him and serve Him. Now, we've seen in this study that our God is a trinity. He's three-part. He is a trinity in unity. What the Father does, the Son amens. And what the Son amens, the Holy Spirit executes. But they move in unity. 
They are one, yet three. And that's never thrown me. I don't know why it throws some people, the teaching of the Trinity. It's never thrown me. I just look at it like the illustration I shared with you about water. There is tap water, there is ice, there is steam. It's all H2O. It's all one thing, but three different manifestations. So you've got ice, water, steam, water, tap, water. It's all water. And so God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three manifestations of the same being. Okay? Three in one. He's three in one. Now, he exists in three persons who are equal in glory, equal in glory, and importance. Therefore, the Holy Spirit, equally with the Father and equally with the Son, is entitled to our worship, honor, and respect. Now, if you're thinking like I used to think, I used to look at it this way. The Father was just a little bit higher than the Son, and the Son a little bit higher than the Holy Spirit. But then I started reading the Bible, which is dangerous. <laughs> okay? Because you start reading the Bible and you find out that this is not true. That's not scriptural. The Father and the Son and the Spirit are equal in importance and authority. All right? Let's get this into our mind now. The Holy Spirit is not an it, a thing, a force, or just a, 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 uh, an impartial presence. The Holy Spirit is a person, a he, according to the Scriptures. Look what the psalmist wrote. The psalmist wrote, O come... Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Well, now, you, when I read that, I, I used to think of God the Father when I read that. But if you really read your Bible, we know that Christ is our Maker because John told us all things were made, read it with me, everybody, by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So, Jesus was behind the entire creation. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was and is God. We didn't have a first century hippie in sandals and long hair with a beard looking like a, uh, you know, a 70s hippie going around just teaching people neat things with Jesus. He was God, wrapped himself in flesh. And he was all man, all God. Jesus was the God-man. He's not lesser than God. He's God, the God-man. God visiting us, sharing our pain, speaking into our dilemma, dying. When, when he shed his blood, are you ready? It was God-blood. It was not tainted with Adam's sin. He had never had a shadow pass between him and the Father. He was perfect. He could speak according to Colossians, and every molecule and every atom on earth would disintegrate. This planet is held together not by science, but by the Word of Jesus. Everything is held together by him. The atomic structures are obeying the word of Jesus. 
say, do you really believe that? If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't preach this Sunday. Read the book of Colossians. It'll leave your jaw shoveling dirt. That's what it says about Jesus. Everything is held together by the word of his power. But now, you come to the Holy Spirit. And we find in the word of God that Christ did not make us independent of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Job. Job testified, the Spirit of God has made me. Can we read that together? The Spirit of God has made me. Now, I want you to preach a little bit tonight. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the Spirit of God made you. You see, this is why one of the reasons I hate evolution. Evolution is one of the greatest lies and jokes and hoaxes ever perpetrated on mankind, ever. Because if you believe in evolution, then you believe you're just a mistake. Or you're, you evolved after a bunch of mishaps and mistakes, and somehow you finally made it. Your distant ancestor crawled out of an ancient primeval sea and finally grew legs and stood up on two legs and grew eyes and ears and started walking around as a human being, which is preposterous. If you know that God made you, then you know God doesn't make junk. You have high value because God made you. God made you. So you have value. You have high value. Valuable enough for Christ to die for you. That's valuable. So notice Job said, here's the truth. The Spirit of God made me. The Spirit of God. So when we're told in Psalms 95, 6, come let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We should keep in mind that this includes the Holy Spirit of God. Because he is your maker. He was involved in making you. Amen. For he was intimately involved in your creation and mine. No wonder David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He didn't say I'm fearfully and wonderfully evolved. (laughs) Amen. He didn't give glory to this, this impartial process of evolution. He said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully put together, made. By the hand of God. But when Christ made you, when mankind was created, the Holy Ghost was intricately involved. So he made you. You are are custom designed by God for a purpose. And I believe that all of life, the most important question you can ever answer is, what does he have me here for? What did he design me to do? And then go do it. Then you have found the meaning of life. The Holy Spirit is every bit as much the object of our faith as are the Father and the Son. He is equal in his being and perfections, his deity and personality, his offices and his operations. The Holy Spirit is often referred to in the Bible as a wind. At Pentecost, he arrived with the sound of a great wind. And, you know, I was reading this as I was getting ready for this uh, this. this uh, teaching tonight and I was typing this out and when I typed out a great wind that filled the place where they were gathered 
Because for some reason, my memory was telling me that he shook the place where they were gathered. So I looked it up, and I saw that instead he had filled the place where they were gathered. And I thought, you know, I've had so many people walk into this building and tell me I walked in and sat down, and I started crying. I didn't know why. And it was before I spoke, so I knew it wasn't me. That's a joke. (laughs) But I just came in and I sat down and I was aware of something touching me. We've had people lost come in and sit down in their chairs and begin to cry. And I thought, when the Holy Spirit enters a place, He can fill a room. And this is what we want in our services. We don't want flesh lifted up. We want the Holy Ghost to fill the place. So people walk in and divine operations and surgeries begin. And the Holy Ghost starts doing things before we ever even get up here. And he does things we don't know about and never will know about. I believe when you give it to God and ask him to visit a meeting, he fills the place. And people get delivered, they get healed, they get saved, they get convicted. The Holy Spirit is a person with a will and a mind and with feelings. And he comes into a place and he knows exactly who you and me are. He knows precisely what you need. He is God in spirit form. And Pastor Jeff gets up here and some song leaders get up here and we worship him. But already he knows who is here. He knows who he has drawn here. And he knows what he's going to do before they ever arrive. He's got a will, a mind. He can be hurt. He can be happy, joyful. He can be grieved. He's a person, but he's God. And he made you. He made you. And so I read at Pentecost, this great wind filled the place where they were gathered. And with that in mind, I want you to consider Ezekiel's prayer in Ezekiel 37, verse 9. Then he said to me, that is, God spoke to the prophet and said to him, prophesy to the wind. In Hebrew, that there is breath. Prophesy to the breath, to the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. Now, the only reason I've put this verse down there is to show you that Ezekiel spoke to, communicated with the Holy Ghost and beseeched him to breathe upon people who were dead. It was a vision. He was having a vision of skeletons in a desert place. And when he spoke to that spirit, to that wind, it came and skeletons stood up on their feet. And then he continued to speak and flesh covered them and sinew and bone or uh, uh, flesh and blood. And then the life was breathed into them and those who were dead were resurrected and made alive again. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. 
And he asked the Spirit of God to do that. And I asked the Spirit of God to move throughout this city. There are Christians who are skeletons who used to live. And I pray to the Holy Ghost. He visits them and stands them on their feet and breathes life and vision into them again so they live again. There's nothing wrong with saying, Holy Spirit, move here today. Nothing wrong with it. This is what I'm wanting you to see. It's not like you're talking to a fog. You're talking to a person. I'm not telling you to pray to the Holy Spirit all the time and not to pray to Jesus and, or to the Father. I, you know, I pray to the Father sometimes. Sometimes I pray to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, there's times I say, thank you, Holy Spirit. I know you did this. I know you did this. How many of you can say, ain't no way I'd be sitting in this chair on a Wednesday night listening to the Bible but for the ministry of the Holy Ghost? Come on, everybody. Because look where you used to be on Wednesday nights and every other night. See, he resurrects people. That's what he does. And I'm wanting you to see that it's okay to thank him it's okay to talk to him. Didn't, didn't the apostle say, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you? Well, last time I looked, fellowship was two-way. <laughs> Try, if you're married, having just one-way conversation all the time. Tell me how long that lasts. <laughs> See, he can be talked to fellowship with commune with as a matter of fact i'm gonna tell you something god wants us to learn to commune with the holy spirit within us i can't tell you how many times in any given day i pause and i say holy spirit what are you saying to me i can't tell you how many times in, in any given day i do that before church tonight kathy was getting ready and had a little bit of extra time and i thought you know i'm just gonna go pray i went into a room shut the door worship him for a little bit because I believe worship invites his presence and then I just said Holy Spirit what are you saying to me what are you saying to me sometimes he'll speak to my spirit usually in the form of an impression I'll just get this impression on my heart that is followed by great peace and I know that he gave that he spoke something to me tonight I prayed that prayer and we got in our car we stopped by the P.O. box on the way here, the, the church uh, post office box, and somebody had sent a card. And the card made me cry. Didn't it, Kathy? I don't cry easy. I used to cry at Tide commercials. You know what I mean? I just was a soft touch. I don't cry that much anymore. I got a little tougher. But I'll tell you, this made me cry because it's, it, it said, from the Holy Spirit. And there was just this little postcard. And this person had written, and it was prophetic, said, all you need is, is, is 13 to 25 million. That's nothing to God. Said, Jeff, enjoy the journey. Give God time. Then it said, he has many hearts to speak to, but it's done. And then it was signed, your best friend, the Holy Spirit. 
And I just went, <laughs> That was a word to me. But see, one hour before, I was saying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And I don't care how it comes to me. I just want a word from God. But he's to be communed with. He's to be listened to. You ought to pause many different times during the day and say, Holy Spirit, here's a decision. What do you say to me? What about this job? What about this relationship? What about this? What about that? And ask him. And you don't know how eager he is to speak to you. You hearing me tonight? We have a wonderful gift. The Holy Ghost of God living inside of us. Now, Ezekiel goes on and says, So I prophesied as he commanded me. And what happened, everybody? Read it with me. And breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And what stood them up? Say it with me. The Holy Spirit. This breath was clearly the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel literally invoked the help of the Holy Spirit to resurrect the dead. By God the Father's direction, he addressed and prayed to the Holy Spirit. Some have misinterpreted Jesus' own words. I used to do this. Misinterpreted Jesus' own words to mean that the Holy Spirit is in such a subservient place as to not be noticed or mentioned. And here's the verse that has thrown so many. Jesus said, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. And that's true right now, too. A lot of things he could tell you, but he, you couldn't handle it. You can't handle the truth. I just had to say that. They stole that from Jesus. Okay, anyway. Well, you can't handle them now. But look what he says. But when the friend comes, that's the way the Message Bible interpreted the Counselor or the Holy Ghost. When the friend comes, the Spirit of the truth, he will take you by the hand. Isn't that cool? He'll take you by the hand. And he will guide you into all the truth that there is. He won't draw, now this is what used to throw me, he won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen and indeed out of all that I have done and said. He will honor me. He will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the Father has is also mine. That is why I've said he takes from me and delivers to you. All right, I used to read that. Say, well, Jesus is supposed to be the focus of everything and he should. And we should not ever really focus at all on the Holy Ghost. That's the way I took that. Because I felt that with those words, Jesus had placed the Holy Spirit in a subservient, sort of in the corner, in the shadows position. Until I read the Bible. More. Here's what I've realized. These verses do not mean we're not to acknowledge, honor, and show reverence to the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus, when he was on earth, was here as a servant. The one who came here not to be ministered unto, but to minister to others. Yet the Bible says, for instance, that, quote, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. And Jesus certainly did not prevent people from worshipping him. Has it ever occurred to you that when people came to Jesus and bowed down and worshipped him, he never stopped them? When they said, Lord, God, Messiah, everything else in the world, used all of those adjectives to address him. He never said, no, you're wrong. I'm just a good teacher. He always fully received it. 
Now, I'm showing you this because while he was here, by his own words, he said, I've come not to be ministered unto, but to minister to others. Yet he allowed worship. The Holy Spirit is here to minister to you and to me. But you know what? He allows worship. There are times in services, I'll tell you, I feel him so strong, I just say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Show me what you want to do, and I'll do it. I talk to him. I talk to him all the time. A Freudian psychologist, if he were in here right now, he'd say, he'd be making a phone call. We got people in here hearing voices. This is totally different. Totally different. The Great Commission directs us to publicly acknowledge and honor the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? The Great Commission. Jesus said, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of who, everybody? The Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So here you got lost people out there watching baptisms. And what do they hear? I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We're testifying of the reality of that third person every time we baptize somebody. In light of this verse alone, we should have no difficulty with honoring the Spirit equally with the Father and the Son. If we praise and reverence the Son for what He has done for us, should we not also praise and reverence the Spirit for what He has done? Paul tells us in Romans that the Spirit Himself loves us. Listen to what he wrote. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of, not God, but who? The love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. The Holy Spirit loves you because he's God. Turn to your neighbor and say, wow. That's good. And those of you by listening by, by radio, you ought to be saying, wow, in your car. He's with you in your car, even in rush hour traffic. If you'll ask him, he'll help you to not lose your patience. Amen. In 2 Corinthians, we read Paul's benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to pay, pay close attention to this verse. Paul writes, let's read it together. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. How can we ignore someone we're in fellowship with? The word communion is a mutual thing, a giving and receiving. And his, his, Paul is speaking a blessing. And I could bless you with the same blessing right now. May the communion of the Holy Spirit be greatly with you this week. May you commune with him. What a blessing that is. Speak that over me anytime you want to. Amen. From the Holy Spirit, we receive regeneration and sanctification. How then can we render, render to Him nothing in return? It's the Spirit of God who communicates God's love to us. Read this one with me, can you? And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. So by the Holy Spirit, we come into contact with God's love. He is the medium. Paul again wrote, now this one I want you to read out loud with me and I want you to pay close attention to this one. Really powerful. He says, and the Lord direct your hearts 
into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now look carefully. In that one brief verse, you've got all three of the Godhead. Lord, God, and Christ. Now I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor Jeff, isn't Lord Jesus? If it was Jesus, let's read what it would sound like if Lord meant Jesus and say, instead of Lord, say Lord Jesus. And see if this verse makes sense. Ready? And the Lord Jesus direct your hearts into the love of God into the patient waiting for Christ. Mm-mm. It's redundant. It doesn't make sense. You know what's wrong with it? You don't say, may Jesus direct your heart into waiting for Jesus. The Lord here is the Spirit. May the Spirit direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Amen? That's what makes sense. So you've got the Spirit, you've got God, and you've got the Son. Lord in this verse is not Jesus. For it would have said Lord Jesus in order to distinguish him from the Father and Christ. It would not have made sense to say in the Lord Jesus direct your hearts into the love of God and the patient waiting for Christ. That's redundant and bad grammar and God don't talk bad. <laughs> Some of the prophecies I've heard, oh my. I think if God talks, it ought to be good grammar anyway. I'm not trying to make you paranoid, but don't you think that God knows how to use English? I mean, he ain't got no. He don't talk that way, right? I hope nobody's tuning in by automobile right now thinking, who's this nut? He can't even talk. All right. The Lord in the beginning of this verse is the Spirit. And Paul is calling him the Lord because he is. Who has been anointed to guide us into all truth. It is the Spirit who directs our hearts into the love of God. Here's a verse that used to really get me. Peter said, though you have not seen him, you love him. Wow. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. How can that be? How can you love someone you've never seen? How many of you saw the person you married? before you married them. Really? All right, come on. Now, how in the world can, can we love so I've never seen Jesus, but I love him. How has that happened? The Holy Spirit directed my heart into the love of God. Mm, that's the power of his ministry. Are y'all still with me? You're acting stupefied. Are you stupefied? All right. We love he whom we have not seen because of the Holy Spirit who has directed our hearts into the love of God. It is as if Paul was praying this way, O Spirit of God, warm our cold hearts. Lead us to abide in God, the Father's love. Stabilize our fretful souls into the patient waiting for Christ. Amen. You notice how you feel when you leave church Sunday? You feel joyful? You ought to. You ought to feel joyful, excited. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, finally, we find Jesus directing his disciples. Now, I love this part. To pray, therefore, 
the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. How many of you have ever said, Lord, Lord of the harvest, I pray send laborers into the harvest? Have you ever prayed that way? I have a million times. I pray he sends you into the harvest. And I used to assume beyond doubt that the Lord of the harvest was Jesus. And you know what? On the earth, he was. It, uh, on the earth, he sent forth the 12, then the 70, into the harvest, and so on. But you know what? After his ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit became the Lord of the harvest. As proof of this, look at Acts 13, 2 and 4. Read this with me, would you? The Holy Spirit said, who said? Who said? Holy Spirit. Separate Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Wow. So they being sent forth by who? The Holy Spirit departed. Now, I'm going to give you some free advice here tonight. This is worth your tithe. Never minister unless the Spirit sends you. I want you to notice here, they didn't send themselves. They had been fasting and praying. And now the Lord of the harvest has changed. It's not Jesus. Now, of course, he's in agreement with the Spirit, but the Spirit is the one who now directly deals with the church. And he said, separate, I have picked out two men that I want to go on the first missionary journey, Saul and Barnabas, set them aside to the work I have called them to. The Holy Spirit said, I am not a preacher because it was a career decision. Then I would truly be crazy, baby. I preach because he called me to it. If you're a care leader, assistant care leader, pray, whatever the Holy Spirit lays his hand on you to do, that's what you do. Because he goes through the church, he picks people and calls them to different functions. And that's what you can flow in and experience blessing in. That's powerful stuff there, folks. That changed some of my thinking. The Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Sent by the Holy Spirit, they departed. And again in Acts 20, 28, we read. Read it with me, would you? Take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. It is now the Holy Spirit who appoints the laborers, equips them, assigns their work, and blesses their efforts. Oh, that's so important. And am I just talking here about professional ministers? Mm -mm. This is the lay person. This is Frank. This is Ron. This is George. This is all the laity. The Holy Ghost moves through a church body and he says, here's what I will. I want you to do this and you to do that and I'm blessing you to do this and calling you to do that and anointing you to do this and you to do that. Now, go. And when you're sent by the Holy Spirit, you can be fearless because you will see fruit. Just tarry and wait for him to call you, and he'll call you. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Amen. All right, we're about to close. 
Again, Jesus said, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know what I pray tonight? I pray that the Holy Spirit sends out laborers from this church. And what's the harvest field? It's not China or India. It's where you live. It's where you work. Shall we not give adoration, worship, and reverence to the mighty third person of the Trinity who plays such a crucial, a crucial role in the life of Jesus' blood-bought church? I'm here tonight, and you're here tonight because of the Holy Spirit. Working in unison with Christ and with God the Father. And he's here with us right now. You know, I think of, he calls people. Here's Bobby over here. Raise your hand, Bobby. And Bobby, he, where do you drive from every time? He comes from Wiley. I said, how long did it take you to get here tonight, Bobby? And he said, oh, this, this was an easy one, hour and a half. Now you look at him and you go, what's the matter with him? There's got to be a thousand churches between here and there. But, but, but the Holy Spirit touched him and said, this is where I want you. So he's here because the Holy Spirit told him to. Amen. So he's Lord over the church. Listen, he is moving in his church all the time. Can we stand together? <clears throat> you know, I don't know about you, but this series has really blessed me and changed me and ministered to me. How many of you can say I'm way more aware of him now than before this series? Because the Word of God illuminates us. Now, I want to bless you. Will you let me? Father, I thank you for this precious congregation of people. Called by the Holy Spirit. Changed by the power of God. People who have come into contact with that mighty third person of the Trinity. Lord, I know there is a calling of some level on everyone in this room. And Lord, I know the Holy Ghost is working in every heart, perfecting what was first begun at our salvation. And now, Lord, I pray, may the Holy Spirit mightily move on this congregation. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us a greater walk in communion with the Holy Spirit, aware of his presence aware of his desire to speak and to guide and to lead and to counsel, to give peace in the middle of a storm, to strengthen us when we're weak, to illuminate our path when we don't know where to go or what to do, to bring us into the fullness of the stature of Christ, to help us to choose holiness over flesh, to help us to pursue the Son of God and to love Him more and more and more as the days go by. To keep our hearts fervent and warm with love for Him and fervency in the Spirit for the things of God. We know that all of this is accomplished by the Spirit of God. So Lord, I speak over this congregation at the end of this series and I pray, may the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you.
and his power envelop you and his direction and counsel guide you. In Jesus' name, amen. And we just lift our hands and thank the Lord now. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. Go ahead and just commune with the Spirit of God. Worship the Lord. Thank the Holy Spirit for what He's done for you. Thank you, Lord. Praise your mighty name. Praise your mighty name. Go ahead and forget about the person next to you and just worship him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Precious Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and sing to him a new song. Don't worry about what anybody's thinking. Just sing to him a new song. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. He's here. Thank you, Lord. He is here. Thank you, Lord. Praise your mighty name. Praise your mighty name. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory to God. Glory, glory to God. Blessed be the Lamb of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here. Glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father, Omnipotent Father, of mercy and grace thou art welcome in this place thank you lord thank you lord 
Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's sing it, sing it Steve. Praise God. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Now 